after hearing my voice this morning, you're probably saying the blessing that the rabbi said on Fiddler on the Roof. They asked him if there was a blessing for the emperor. He said, yes, the Lord bless you and keep you far away from us. <laughs> um, I feel fine, but laryngitis, hopefully we'll make it through the uh, sermon. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother married, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Amen. Father God, we come to your word. It is our desire to honor it, to rejoice in it, to live it out. I pray that you would transform us by your word. And uh, Father, that you would anoint my lips, enable me to clearly and effectively preach it us to have it mixed in our hearts with faith. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when the explorer Shackleton was uh, making preparations for his trip to the Antarctic, he put the following advertisement into the London newspaper. Men wanted for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. <laughs> Honor and recognition in case of success. And the ad was signed, Sir Ernest Shackleton, Antarctic Explorer. Now, interestingly, there were literally thousands upon thousands of people who signed up to go with him. They were willing to drop everything at a moment's notice to face all of this danger just to have the honor of being able to be associated with uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton on one of his famous explorations, and many of them did not return. If you've never read the story, uh, you really do need to read that. It's just an incredible story. I uh, cried my way through various parts of that story, but it sets before us a lot of the kind of characteristics, character qualities that we would love to have uh, in, our, in our children. These were men who had captured the hearts of a generation, men of courage, Boldness, perseverance, personal sacrifice, loyalty, love, uh, all of the characteristics that, you know, in the Scripture are really uh, uh, highlighted. Now, Joseph may not appear to be a person like uh, Shackleton. Um, his name did not go down in secular history. We have no idea if he had any of the physical kind of characteristics, the manly characteristics that Shackleton did. But God's call to Joseph 
was no less challenging spiritually than, God, than the call that uh, Shackleton had was physically. Joseph had to give up his job security. Uh, he had to give up his hometown, his reputation as a just man. I mean, most of the people would have thought he was the one who had uh, done this to Mary. Um, he had to give up his personal ambitions. He had to bear shame uh, with uh, Mary. He had to give up his personal desires, such as uh, desires for uh, 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 intimacy. And yet Joseph responded to God's call without any hesitation. No hesitation on his part. And I think he stands as a model for us in doing that. And on this Christmas day, God continues to issue calls which promise tribulation, and persecution, and dying to self daily, and a hazardous journey. And yet, if you are willing to respond to God's call, it's not just a possible uh, honor that you might receive. He guarantees an eternal weight of glory which will not fade away. Now, there is nothing that could be more important or more honorable than to be associated with Jesus Christ on his journeys and uh, Christ wants more men and women who are willing to give up everything that they have and that they are so that at the end of their lives they can receive from Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the first step we see in Joseph's life was the matter of holiness. Verse 19 describes him as a righteous man. And verse 18 gives an example of that righteousness. It says, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now notice those words, before they came together. Uh, they were engaged, but they had been physically apart. They did not touch each other. Now some people today might have thought Joseph was just being prudish. Uh, you know, it was legalistic. After all, they're engaged. What's the big deal? But purity mattered to Joseph, and it floored him that it appeared not to matter to Mary. Now he was wrong about Mary. Um, uh, Mary uh, treasured purity as well, but neither Joseph nor Mary tempted each other in the physical arena of uh, sexuality like so many Christians to do today. And I think this is one of the tests of our holiness. What do you do when the pressure is on? When everybody's expectations are, it's not a big deal. Uh, don't uh, worry about it. Joseph followed God's word no matter what the cost. Uh, no matter what his personal desires might be. What do you do when God calls you to a journey of holiness? It's many times difficult to obey the Lord, and you might think about it this way. It is precisely the difficulties and the challenges of holiness that make it such an honor to be associated with Shackleton spiritually, as it were. It's precisely the difficulty of that. Even though thousands applied for the job with uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton, there was only a tiny fraction of 1% of the population that uh, actually uh, applied for his, uh, for his job. And it really is a rare thing, and it's an honorable thing to be identified with Christ in this way. Men held Shackleton in such high esteem that they were willing to drop anything at a moment's notice to obey his orders, to face risks and challenges. Let me read you a short account of Shackleton's advertisement for his last exploration. 
says Shackleton was seated in an office in London speaking to a friend about his forthcoming expedition. The friend said, I'm surprised at the publicity you're giving to your new venture. It's rather unlike you. Shackleton replied, I have a purpose in doing so. I want my colleague, Mr. Wilde, to hear about my plans. He has buried himself in the heart of Africa and has left no address, but I thought that if I would broadcast the news that I was going, it might filter through into the very heart of Africa, and if Wilde knows I am going, he will come. They both turned, and standing in the doorway was Mr. Wilde. It was a dramatic moment as Wilde and Shackleton shook hands, the handshake of loyalty. I heard you were going, said Wilde. The news found its way into the heart of Africa, and when I knew, I dropped my gun, picked up a bit of luggage, and made my way straight home, and here I am. What are your orders? Now, would you do that for the Lord Jesus Christ? Say, Lord, what are your orders? I'm willing to do whatever it is that you call me to do. Can you think of times when you have dropped your own agenda? Maybe personally, they're excellent agendas, but you've dropped them so that you can serve Christ's better agenda. Have you done that? That's the kind of loyalty that God calls for. And when we have such devotion to Christ, holiness will be the result. We will drop our desires so that we can have the pleasure of God's approval. The spiritual Shackletons and Wilds of today are men and women who pursue holiness. And I do want you to notice, secondly, that this was not simply an outer holiness, an outer conformity to the law, such as the Pharisees had. Joseph did not have Pharisaical, holier-than-thou kinds of attitudes. Uh, He was not rough on Mary. When we produce an outward conformity to the law, what tends to happen is we tend to begin to be judgmental. Uh, stuck up. Uh, we, uh, we tend to be arrogant uh, with others who have not come as far as we have. <clears throat> Why? Because it's produced by our flesh, and Joseph did not show any of those characteristics. Instead, he showed that his righteousness was produced not by the flesh, but by the Holy Spirit. It was not a counterfeit, because you see all of the other fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, evidenced in his life. When you have holiness and arrogance together, it is probably a pharisaical holiness. Uh, Look at the concern that Joseph shows to Mary, and I'm reading here verses 19 through 20. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now we see several evidences of of gentleness with Mary. First of all, by law, he had the right to press for the full extent, the highest penalty, because uh, adultery was and continues to be deserving of death. It was a capital crime. Now, you didn't always have to press for that. God authorized lesser penalties, but he could have pressed for that, and he did not. He chose mercy instead. Secondly, he didn't even want to embarrass her by making a public divorce. Thirdly, Joseph appears to be tormented in his mind as to even the divorcing of her. Uh, The angel says, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife. Now, one translation has it, do not hesitate. Uh, William Hendrickson's commentary says, Joseph must have agonized about the proper thing to do under these circumstances. He loved Mary, wanted to have her with him as his wife, but above all, he was a righteous person, a man of principle. 
one who with his whole heart wanted to live in accordance with the will of God. Do not these words, do not hesitate, imply that there was something Joseph in his heart of hearts really wanted, but did not quite dare to do? Well then, let him shrink no longer from fulfilling his and Mary's desire, for the one and only obstacle has been removed. Mary had not been unfaithful after all. See, I think the only thing that Joseph could have surmised when he heard that she was pregnant was that she loved somebody else. Isn't that what you would have assumed? You know, that she must love somebody else. What's going on here? Now, he still had the option of forgiving her and marrying her anyway, but he's thinking, why would I marry her if she loves someone else? Which it seems to be the case. And so we see that Joseph was sensitive not only to God's law, he was a man of principle, but he also had compassion for sinners. And in this, he was following Christ before Christ even came onto the earth. If anyone had a right to be judgmental, it was Jesus Christ. He was a perfect man and he was perfect God. But we see Jesus weeping over the sins of others. We see Jesus raising up an adulteress from her misery and saying, go and sin no more. That's the kind of balance that Joseph demonstrated in his life. And I think as that, he is a model for us. Too many times we go to extremes. On the one side, we have unprincipled love, so-called love that leads us into sin. Why? Because we don't allow the scriptures to define that love. And on the other extreme, uh, what we have is unloving judgmentalism. It's a holiness, unloving holiness, which leads to judgmentalism. In one of the winter editions of the Reformed Theological Seminary's journal, from whom I actually got the idea of uh, preaching on this, uh, Steve Freulich comments on this verse saying, While Joseph's love for Mary does not make him disobedient, neither does his obedience dull or depersonalize his love for her. True righteousness does not pit love against obedience, but rather sees these as companion virtues that beat as one within the heart of God. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, There's a lot, I think, that we can learn from Joseph. A third way in which Joseph is a wonderful model for us is that he had complete submission to the will of God. Uh, Just when he thinks he's got everything sorted out in his mind, God changes his plans, asks him to marry Uh, Mary, uh, take Mary as his wife, and Joseph doesn't wait around to do so. Verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now, the Greek indicates that the obedience immediately followed upon waking up. Uh, We see the same uh, instant obedience when he is told to leave for Egypt. And when he's told to leave Egypt to come back to Israel, when he's told to go to the filthy town of uh, Nazareth, I have told our kids a number of times that procrastination is a form of disobedience. And so we see an instant willingness to follow God's will, a total submission. Joseph also showed a supreme trust in God's word. After all, the angel's message does run against common sense. Uh, Common sense would tell us that, no, this is not of the Holy Spirit, it's some other man, right? That's what most people would think. Um, Common sense does not believe in miracles. And it's very, very easy for Christians to pit their common sense against what the Scriptures say, and in doing so, they're closet liberals. 
isn't that the essence of liberalism? It's pitting our minds and making our minds the determiners of truth, ultimately making man God. And so liberals deny the virgin birth because they say, well, that's scientifically unfeasible. Miracles they deny because they're scientifically unfeasible. They run contrary to common sense. And we can fall into the trap of becoming closet liberals when we pit our common sense against the scriptures, when the scripture commands us to do things that maybe are uncomfortable, they go against our traditions or our doctrine or our desires. It's hard to trust God in those circumstances, is it not? Uh, but this is what makes you spiritual shackletons and wilds who will be highly honored by the Lord. In the words of Paul, let God be true and every man a liar if it has to come to that. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't make sense to everybody else that's in the room. We're going to follow God's word if God's word um, calls us to do something. A fifth element that made Joseph really stand out was his willingness to bear shame for the name of Christ. Verse 24, Joseph took Mary to be his wife, but verse 20 it implies that he would have difficulty and shame in doing so. The angel says, do not be afraid to take to you Mary. Now, in that culture, there was plenty of reason to be afraid, uh, to be concerned in doing this. And he was willing to bear the shame of all of that and the shame that would be heaped upon Mary as well. What would he be afraid of? Well, the Gospels give us some hints. In John 8, the Jews used an idiom equivalent to you bastard when they said, where is your father? Very common uh, Middle Eastern idiom meaning you don't have a father. Uh, in Ethiopia where I grew up, that's exactly the phrase that was used all of the time. Uh, where is your father? Implying that he did not have one. And they go on in the same chapter and say, we were not born of fornication, implying that Jesus was. And to this day, if you read in the Talmud and the in the Jewish literature, you will see that they portray Jesus as being the bastard son of Mary. Uh, it was uh, the kind of taunt that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus had to put up with. And so that first Christmas brought shame. And to make matters worse, Joseph has no way of explaining this to others. How can he explain to others what he himself cannot understand? And they're going to say, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> they're not going to believe him. Uh, and yet he was willing to dive into that for the sake of Christ. Being a child of God does not exempt you from scars and hurts. It does not exempt you from persecution. When Hebrews 11 gives its long list of heroes of the faith, the, the, the spiritual shackletons and the, and the wilds of Bible times, it lists these kinds of tribulations, these kinds of misunderstandings and persecutions that made these people heroes of the faith. Now, you may not be able to be a, a shackleton in terms of physical exploits, but you can surely be a Joseph who is not ashamed of Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 16 says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now I think that's such a, a wonderful phrase because you would, uh, you would uh, ordinarily we think of us being embarrassed of God. He's the one that deserves to be embarrassed of us, right? And just like Joseph was not ashamed to take to himself Mary, God the Father was not ashamed to take to us and Jesus to take us to himself as his bride. 
And I think that's what Christmas is all about. It's God identifying with sinners in the incarnation. There's plenty to make us proud to be Christians. The sixth lesson that we can learn is that Joseph embraced his role as head and as protector of his family. If you take a look at chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. I want you to notice that the angel did not speak to Mary here. He did earlier before they were married, but here he speaks to the head of the household. He does not say to Mary, I I, I need you guys to flee from here, or I need you, Mary, to be making the decision. And if Roman Catholic theology were true, you would expect that that would be the way it would be done because they have elevated Mary to being the queen of heaven, uh, to to being... uh, I was listening to... Uh, one uh, uh, radio station, Our Lady of Fatima, and she, they kept saying, if it was not for Mary, no one could be saved. If it was not for her prayers and her intercessions, no one could be saved. And they kept attributing to her the things that Scripture attributes to Jesus. She has been raised to being a co-mediatrix, a co-redemptrix. But we don't see anything of that here. I want you to notice that the angel called upon Joseph to take his role as head and as protector seriously. Now, If there was any household in the world in which the woman might think that she has the right to wear the pants in the family, I would think it would be Mary, right? Because here she's pretty important. She is bearing the God-man, right, within her her womb. If there was any woman who could have pushed her weight around, it would have been Mary, but she did not. And he was not intimidated by her, despite the fact that God poured out upon her and heaped upon her, blessing upon blessing. God did not want her, uh, him intimidated. He was still the leader. Look at verses 19 through 23, the same thing. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now for Joseph to be making these moves meant a lot of sacrifice. Uh, He was leaving a place that he was comfortable with, that he knew that he had a greater comfort zone, going to a place uh, that he did not know, to Egypt, but he did it in order to protect his family. And there are many ways in which the heads of households are called by God to be protectors of their wives, to be protectors of their children. I think of uh, the government school situations today. And uh, even though it's an uncomfortable thing for a person to change and say, this is what I grew up with, this is the only thing that I have known, many heads of households have had to say, no, in order to protect my family, I need to take them out of the government schools. I need to educate them in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. There are husbands who could very easily be intimidated by their wives because their wives are more articulate than they are. They can speak better. They can 
uh, maybe have better education, maybe they even come from a higher social class. And yet there is no need to be intimidated because of the unity that God brings between husband and wife in the family. And God still expects the men to lead and to protect and to provide for their families. Shackleton could very easily have been intimidated by Wilde. If you knew about Wilde, he was quite an amazing man. Shackleton could very easily have been intimidated by some of the other men in that, in that group that went with him, but he was not. He, as a good leader, he surrounded himself with men who were as equal, sometimes his betters, in uh, certain areas of life. And he sacrificed incredibly for his team. One last area that made Joseph stand out as a spiritual Shackleton was the sacrifice of personal privilege. Shackleton once asked what the most difficult part of his trip was, and he could have pointed to uh, physical dangers because there were things that just make you squeamish to your stomach when you see what they had to go through. It was just an unbelievable trip. He did not point to that. He said the most difficult part of that whole trip was one night when I thought I had lost my trust in one of the men that I trusted and valued highly. They had set up an emergency hut, had gone into there and were... Uh, 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 he was still awake, but he noticed one of his men sitting up, looking around to see if everyone was asleep, reaching over and taking the biscuit bag because that day they had distributed the last of their biscuits. They had no more biscuits left. Picked up that guy's biscuit bag and took the biscuit out. And Shackleton said he waited an eternity of suspense. And he thought, could this man whom I would have staked my life on. Could this man be stooping so low from hunger that he's going to steal some other person's last biscuit? But then he noticed this man picking up his own tin, taking the bag, a biscuit bag out of there, taking out his last biscuit, putting it in the bottom, and then putting that other fellow's biscuit back in. He gave away his last biscuit to that other man. That was the kind of a thing that makes for heroes, a sacrificing. In fact, sacrificing even when nobody else knows about it. You know, it was not until the Gospels were written, or at least until the apostles began instructing the, the church, that people knew about the incredible sacrifices that Joseph had to make. They were made anonymously. Verse 25 shows Joseph having the same self-sacrificial spirit. It says, And did not know her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Now, the New American Standard Bible paraphrases uh, the Hebrew idiom by saying, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth. No one but God and Mary and Joseph would know. And yet Joseph set aside his personal rights. He set aside those things and worshipfully laid those aside to honor the God-man within Mary. And I think that speaks volumes about the many other ways. He no doubt set aside his own interests and his own desires for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things that are worth waiting for. Uh, there are some things that are far more important than our own rights and our own desires. And we live in an age that speaks of rights, rights, personal rights so much, it just makes me sick to hear about that. And in our age, I think Joseph stands out as an ideal man, a role model that we need to hold up before our children. Nothing special about him that uh, we could not attain to. 
Uh, he was an ordinary man, and yet he achieved extraordinary heights of holiness because Christ had become all in all to him. One last story from Shackleton. <clears throat> While on one of his expeditions to the Antarctic, Shackleton uh, had to leave some of his men behind on Elephant Island, and he was planning to come back for them, pick them up so that they could go back to England, but he was unavoidably delayed and it was getting really cold. The ice was covering over. He tried three different days to get to Elephant Island and could not do it and is very concerned that he would have to leave them behind before everything froze over. But finally, he found uh, a little uh, channel that he was able to get through. And to his delight, when he got there, the men were instantly, they're on the shore, instantly ready to get onto that boat and go out. And after the excitement, it all settled down. Um, he asked them, well, how was it that you knew I was going to be here? How was it that you were so prompt and able to get onto the boat? And uh, he learned from them that every morning the leader would roll up his bag and uh, say to the boys, get your things ready, boys. The boss may come today. <laughs> every day. Uh, he had been doing that for days and days. Joseph was ready for the first coming because he did that with the Lord. He was ready to do the Lord's will, no matter what that will may be, no matter how difficult that will may be. And we will be ready for our death. We will be ready for the second coming if the Lord should bring that in our own day, if we do the same. Uh, this Christmas, be sure that you make way for Christ. It amazes me that so many churches have taken a tradition that's not even commanded in the Scripture. Nowhere in the Scripture does it command Christmas celebration. It's a fine thing for people to do, but they've taken a command, I mean, something that's not a command, and it's preempted church. You'd be amazed how many churches have closed their doors today. Why? Because of some tradition. Well, Joseph calls us to sacrifice our personal agendas, our desires and preferences, and to make way for Christ in whatever it is that he dictates to us. May we do so with joy May we do so to his glory. Amen. Father God, we thank you and bless you for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we have traditionally been remembering uh, uh, over the last many, many centuries. And uh, Father, it is our desire that we would be able to imitate Joseph in our lives, to have his boldness and his courage, to have his self-sacrificing nature, uh, to have the holiness that he pursued after. Father, may it be an epitaph written on our lives that there stands a, a just or a righteous man or woman or child. Uh, Father, may we honor and glorify you. It's our desire uh, not just to receive the honor of humans, but Father, above everything else, even if humans may dishonor us, to have your well done our good and faithful servant. Make that to be true in each one of our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.